Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I know I'm not the only one. It's great when you can feel it. I bet those Israelites felt it. Cloud of glory covered them by day, pillar of fire by night. Thank you, Lord. The gift of authority. It's the greatest gift that God has given us. It is what the New Testament is based upon. God releasing his authority back into the earth. Having a people that are not just children having to be spoon-fed and hand-fed by a surrogate priesthood, but having mature sons and daughters in whom he can execute his will, who will follow his son, who will be men and women who can speak to the world with kingdom authority. That is the great difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is called the gift of authority. It's what Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to give us. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus says to his disciples in verse 19, Behold, which means understand, think about this, comprehend it, take it in. I have given you authority over all of the power of the enemy, all of the power of the enemy. And you shall walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. Does that not sound like today? Walking among serpents and scorpions, but crushing them and they don't poison and kill us. So in review, I shared the first part of this message a few weeks back. We're talking about the restoration of man's authority as the greatest gift and the greatest difference between the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament, they were children basically having to plead through a surrogate priesthood before God. There was no real authority among them. They needed God as the scripture and God himself said, I led them by the hand. They were like we little children. But in the New Testament, there's been a dynamic shift. He's not leading us by the hand. He's sending us forth. His spirit is in our heart. We are appearing in the eyes of the world to have divine initiative. We may be children with our knees bent, living at the altar in our private life, but it's so that publicly we can walk in the whole armor of God with the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. We can speak to the mountains and they will move. We, can, we are displaying the authority of Jesus Christ. What a difference. We need to embrace that difference. We, we need to come out from under that Old Testament mentality. Not too many years ago when the trend really began to set in, I hope I don't say offend anybody by saying this, I honestly don't come to the pulpit each week trying to offend people, but I, I know that sometimes people get their feet stepped on. It is unintentional uh, most of the time. But I, I have to say this, uh, there was a trend that broke out a number of years ago, and uh, you know, at first we thought maybe it was temporary, but man, it's, it's turned into a whole new social paradigm, and that is children don't leave home. They're just hanging on. It's like they got a hold of that udder 
And that's a good thing. They're not going to let go. They're not going out. They're not getting their own life. They're hanging on, living in the basement, playing video games. I don't know, whatever. But there's something not right. There's something shameful, shameful. It's adorable when you are a child. But when you grow up and you go back and act like children, there's something wrong with that. It's shameful. We grew up in Jesus. It was an instant, bam, coming to maturity. The followers of Jesus Christ became men and women. No longer children needing to be under a governor. We were thrown out into the deep water. And the Lord said, swim. But, but Lord, don't worry, I've, I've sent the Holy Ghost. He lives within you. You can't drown the Holy Ghost, so <coughs> you'll be fine. The centurion that um, had a servant that was sick near to death, his example was one of the greatest, it, in fact, using Jesus' word, it was the greatest example of authority-based faith. Greatest example, not from a religious Jewish person, from a centurion, a Roman soldier. When Jesus said, I'll come heal your servant, the centurion said, just say the word. Just say the word. From where you are, you don't even have to come to my house. From where you are, just say the word and my servant will be healed. I know this, the centurion went on to say, because I am a man under authority, which gives me authority over all those that are under me. When Jesus saw this, he commented, he said, I tell you the truth, I have not seen faith. He called that faith like this in all of Israel's greatest demonstration of authority-based faith. It's the difference between childish believism and real faith. Real faith risks everything because you, you've been with God, you are with God, you're listening to him, and you're stepping out. He's telling you to go to dangerous places and do dangerous things, to be bold, and you're obeying him because the faith that you have is based in obeying the authority of eternity. And so you're going out with a boldness, and you're acting with authority. And my gosh, that is what the world needs today. It is literally understanding and the ability to use God's authority that is the mark of maturity in Christians, in disciples. That's the true mark of maturity. The mark of maturity isn't this external measure that we use to, to measure one another in church. Um, you know, how, how, are you, how is this person doing with their various vices and things? And I don't want to make light of that. I'm not here to undermine our efforts to be free from the habits that hinder our walk. But there is something more important, and that is understanding the authority of Jesus and putting yourself in this life in a place where you are pursuing that authority and walking in it. You know, one of the great keys to authority is submission. The centurion said, I'm under authority, that's why I have authority. 
The minute you come out from under that authority and you're a lone ranger, you're doing your own thing, your authority diminishes. You might talk some people into following you, but you won't have God's authority. So it brings us to our message today. I want to pick up with sharing, beginning with sharing the two great elements that constituted Jesus' magnificent authority. When we read the Gospels, what is it when you step back and look at it that really you're left in awe? It's the authority. He goes from village to village, goes from situation to situation, handles each of these unique situations, yes, in love, yes, certainly with wisdom, but the one thing that sets him apart is authority. And even the people of Jesus' day, it says they marveled and they said, never have we heard anyone speak like this, for he does not speak like the Pharisees. You know they didn't like hearing that. He speaks as one with authority. So Jesus' magnificent presentation of heaven's authority, of God's authority, that manifestation of authority in Jesus came from two elements in his life, two specific things, and they are transferable to you. In fact, he has transferred them to you, but you have to take them up, especially the second one, if you're going to have his authority. Those two things are A, who he was, and B, his altar life. And I don't mean A-L-T-E-R as in alter ego, or alter sexual identity. I'm talking about A-L-T-A-R, what I've been preaching about for months. Jesus maintained an altar life. He lived at the altar of communion with his Father. His public life was a reflection of his altar life. And so Jesus' authority came from two places. Number one, who he was. He was the Word made flesh. He was the eternal Son of God. Let me tell you that Jesus was nothing less than the great I Am who spoke to Moses, becoming flesh. He is the one who in Genesis 1-1 spoke creation. Let there be light. That was Jesus. The Word made flesh. John 1 says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God did everything through his word and nothing was done apart from his word. And the word was made flesh. So who Jesus was, obviously, was a source of his authority. But you know, you never see Jesus going into Capernaum or going into any of the towns of Galilee, certainly not going down to Jerusalem and kicking the doors of the temple open and ripping his toga open and there's a big S, super Jesus, on his chest saying, I am the Son of God, and you better do what I say. Jesus never entered a situation throwing around his weight. He never just went and met challenges based on who he was alone. Though he could have, but he didn't. Because his mission was not just to go through life alone, die alone, go back to heaven alone, but to bring us with him. 
So the second part of that, the second element that brought authority into Jesus' life was that he used who he was, not against the Pharisees, not with the people. He used who he was in private at the altar of his father. If you know you're born again, if you know you're a son of God, a daughter of God, then don't use that to kick open the doors of the church and walk in and say, look at me, everybody, I'm a, I'm a primate professional Christian. Walk humbly. Where do you use that confidence, that knowledge of who you are in Christ? You use it on your face in the altar room in fellowship with the Father. Father, I am confident that you have saved me. I know who I am in you. It's in prayer that you wrestle and lay hold of your identity in Christ. That's where Jesus used who he was. And because Jesus used who he was to have an unbroken life at the altar with the Father, the Father's full authority backed him in his words and deeds in public. And Jesus was very clear. He said, I don't do anything. I'm not here preaching myself. I am here, but yet uh, the, the gospel is him. But what was it when he walked? Why was, why was his authority so manifest, so perfect? Because he simply used his identity to connect with the Father, and then he did everything the Father told him to do. And by obeying the Father, humbling himself in relationship to the Father, who he was showed up when he went into those places. Can you say amen? amen? So Jesus' gift of authority to us works the exact same way. Those two elements have been transferred to you and I. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, God has given them to you. But you have to use them just like Jesus used them. But that gift of authority works in you the same way it worked in Jesus. Our submission at the altar will be confirmed with God's authority in public. So if you as a Christian want greater power, greater authority showing up in your public life, and your public life begins with being a wife and a husband, a member of a family, being a friend in your group of friends, being a co-worker in the place that you're employed. It shows up in the relationships that God has given you as a stewardship in your life. Those are the places where you ought to be using authority and the people ought to be seeing God's authority. How many people know you as a Christian but never see the authority of the kingdom of God manifest in your life? That's not right. We gotta change that, we gotta correct that. God wants to manifest his authority through you. And so, <clears throat> that doesn't work by you going up to your wife, going up to your husband, telling your kids, well I'm a Christian and I'm your dad and you better do what I say. Or to your friends or anything. It's not throwing around who you are. It's going to the altar and saying, Father, I want the power of the Spirit flow through me. Show me what I must surrender to you. Show me what you are asking of me. 
How can I walk in obedience to you? What alterations, what changes do you want to make in my life so that, so that I can hear what the Spirit is saying? You know, I think every day the Lord would give you orders if you were open to them. He would tell you what to do. And then when you did them because you know that God spoke to you and told you to do them, authority would show up. Authority would show up. Hallelujah. So I want to say this. I, I, I think you, you have just, you've got to wrap your mind around this. Jesus wants to show forth his authority through us. Jesus wants to show his authority through you. I selected Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31, where, the, where Peter and John had been threatened and, and, by, and called in and rebuked and humiliated and uh, punished for preaching Jesus and, and healing the lame man at the, at the gate beautiful of the temple. They were, they were threatened by the authorities of their day to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And so when they were released from custody and released from being punished and shamed publicly, they, they went back to the group and the, the believers got together and they prayed. Listen, they prayed and they said, Lord, see their threatenings. After they worshiped the Lord, after they poured their hearts out to God, they said this, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant to your servants that with all boldness, everyone say boldness, with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled again with the Holy Ghost and they began right there to speak the word of God to one another with boldness. There's that word boldness showed up again. This is a remarkable example of a number of important points in the Bible and the first of which is that God wants us to be his examples of authority out there in the world. Notice that they had begun to persecute Christians. They were arresting, they were persecuting Christians. The authorities of the church, the, the Jewish religion, and, and the Roman authorities were clamping down on the believers. And so there was a spirit of rebellion in the society, and they were being persecuted. Notice they didn't pray, Lord, do something about the evil. Make the evil stop. Lord, make the persecution stop. Deliver us from persecution. They didn't pray any of that. What they prayed got such approval from God, he got excited when they said amen and shook the house to let them know, I'm here. And then filled them again with the Holy Ghost and they started preaching the word of God to one another with the boldness that they had just asked for. In the face of a abuse of authority, what was the answer? Manifest God's authority. 
not shut down the abuse of authority, not get rid of it, not remove the problem, not remove the persecution, turn up the heat in us. Cause us to manifest God's authority. That was the prayer that won the approval of God. Now, this present world that we live in is shrouded under a cloud of demonic influence. I was at prayer Friday night, and I had, I don't know, it was by imagination, but I think it was being influenced by the Holy Spirit, kind of like a vision. And the more I prayed, the more it wouldn't go away. And I was looking over our community here, Clearwater, Pinellas County, and when I, when I saw it, I couldn't recognize any landscape because a thick, dense, kind of light gray cloud had rolled in and covered everything. You couldn't see the texture of the landscape. You couldn't see the tall buildings. Everything was under this cloud. But it wasn't the cloud of glory. It wasn't the cloud of God's anointing. It was the cloud of demonic oppression. It was a cloud of demonic oppression. And he, only here and there, in a few locations, there would be watchtowers that rose up, poked through the cloud, pierced through the cloud. And the Lord let me know those watchtowers were the few Christians or the few Christian groups that were praying and laying hold of God's authority and in prayer seeking his face, saying, Father, give us your vision. Show us what your response is. Instead of just constantly belaboring God with a, a list of, you know, ease this burden and ease that. And by the way, I don't want to discourage anyone. You've got burdens, bring them to the Lord in prayer, my goodness. But let's not forget the most important Father God, show us what is happening in this hour. We, there were only a few that broke up high enough above the clouds that they could see what was going on. And they had a vantage point from which they could speak to the powers of darkness and say, I command those spirits, those dense spirits choking out, leading, inspiring, and, and corrupting the governments around us and attacking the families, infiltrating the schools. I speak to you in the name of Jesus. You see, true authority isn't just running around and saying it. It's submitting to God at the altar until you are not only given the information that the Spirit wants to give you, but till you're filled with the anointing and He says, now go and now speak. And so that when you open your mouth, God is speaking. That's what a watchtower consists of. It's not just people running around saying things. to You can sound like you've got an authority. You can say the same thing that people who really have authority say, but like the seven sons of Sceva, you're going to get beat down. So, Ephesians chapter 6 10, 11, you're probably, uh, 10, 11, and 12, probably quite familiar with this, but I want to read it to you. Just, you need to be refreshed and hear what the Lord says. Paul opens up with a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in the 
power of his might. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In other words, there's a lot of activity going on, not at the school board that you see necessarily, or in the government, in the tax office, or in the halls of Congress, or in the streets of our neighborhood. By the time you see the corruption and the evil and the rebellion there, it's already taken place in the spirit realm. Those unseen forces, that fog that I saw that moved in, that's the real force that influences, pollutes, and moves the physical power structures of the world. Do you remember what Satan said to Jesus? In an instant, he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. He said, all these are mine, and I give them to who I want. Now, the devil's a liar, but not everything he says is a lie. All these kingdoms, they're mine, and I give them to whoever I want. And when I study human history, I can see the path that, that Christians with authority have carved out in history. And I could see the path where Satan just continued one tribe, one empire after another, ruling in darkness, demons having their way for hundreds and thousands of years over much of the world. We need the manifestation of authority to come back to the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. There are too few occurrences in this present world where Christians arise at the altar, live at the altar and arise to break through the layers of that demonic fog over our communities like tall watchtowers and obtain the anointing to speak with authority effectively exercising God's authority against demonic powers. How many of you remember the last time you did that? And I, you don't need to raise your hand, but I want you to think with me. It's one thing to kind of like a parrot. You know parrots will, whatever they hear you say in a house. You can always tell if there's a lot of swearing going on in a house. If you are one of those that are given to a lot of cursing, don't get a parrot. So, so kind of like parrots will repeat. Children do the same thing, by the way. Little children do the same thing. So it's not like a little child or it's not like a parrot that says what it hears. When I say, when's the last time you took, really took authority over the enemy? I, when I say that, I'm not talking about 
I rebuke you, Satan. Stop that. You can't do that. I command the devil to leave everywhere all at once. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, and, but I'm, I'm not saying these things to reduce your confidence because in this message, I want to build your confidence. But if we keep having confidence in weak practices that aren't really bringing us into the power of God, then I'm not doing you a favor by not attacking that and saying, look, let, we, we can go to the top of this mountain. We can go to the altar. We can live there. We can get a hold of God. He can get a hold of us. There is an authority to be obtained, and every single believer should be experiencing it. So when is the last time you felt that confidence to say, Satan, I rebuke you out of my city. Like Joshua stood on the western banks of the Jordan and said, I take this land in the name of Yahweh. When's the last time you know that prophetically the Spirit of God came on you and you spoke over your workplace, over your family, over that individual in your life that's bound by the enemy and said, I command you in the name of Jesus and saw the authority of God go forth. Church, we should be doing that all the time. You say, why, why, why would you do it all the time? Because it needs to happen all the time. The devil certainly isn't letting up. He doesn't take a vacation. Let me share with you, and I, I know I've got to wrap this up, but I want to share with you a couple of practical things. You know, the great prophetic class of the Old Testament, that handful of great, great prophets of God, the prophet Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, that great, unique set-apart prophetic class. That great prophetic class in the Old Testament was upgraded and replaced in the New Testament by a Holy Spirit-filled church empowered with a prophetic anointing. God's will was, I'm not just going to raise up three and a half prophets for 20 million people. I am going to bring millions of sons and daughters into my kingdom and they will pursue me. They will gather as the body of Christ. They will live at my altar. I will anoint them with the Holy Ghost and they will go out into the world and they will open up their mouth and the anointing of God the prophetic spirit is as alive today, even more so. But you don't have to be a prophet to operate with a prophetic anointing. Listen to me, because I'm saying this so you will stop discounting yourself. Most Christians that I know do not give themselves to God. Don't even make themselves available. In their imagination, there's a big door closed. It's got a lock on it. Don't even open that door. The door of consideration that God wants me to speak 
to the powers of darkness. God wants me to direct his word. Oh, that's not for me. That's for someone else. You've got that, that faith, that possibility locked away. The devil's padlocked it. That door needs to be opened, and if I could bust it open with a crowbar message this morning, I'm going after it. I'm going after to bust that lock open in your life so that you'll begin not only to believe that God wants to use you with his authority, you'll be afraid not to present yourself to God because you'll be afraid of disobeying him. When I was a young Christian coming out of atheism, I didn't have a religious background. I didn't have any training. But I understood authority because I was raised in a house with authority. And so when I met Jesus Christ as Lord, I knew I was meeting the authority of eternity, the Alpha and the Omega, the bookends of reality. And that made such an impression on me. I was afraid not to walk in authority. And I knew that to have that authority, I had to humble myself before God. And so as a, as a young boy, God used me. When I think back then of the things I did in my youth, it kind of scares me. It certainly scared and, and rattled a lot of the people of that day, but that was because I was walking in authority, the authority of waiting on God and hearing what he said to do. But my heart has become broken over the years because today's Christians don't do that. They don't think like that. They don't act like that. Nobody came to me and said, you're special. Nobody came and said, yay, yay, yay. Saith the Lord, thou art special. I was the most ignored person in our group. It wasn't because I had a special calling. It was because being a Christian is special. Because being a Christian gives you not only the right, but the responsibility to have the prophetic mantle on your life. And the only reason we don't see it today is because nobody believes it. We've been talked out of it. We've been preached out of it. We've been taught to just come to church and uh, praise God, be exuberant, go home, but, but stay in your lane. Don't, don't do more than that. And I want to address why that has happened in a moment because it, it's a big part of why we're not moving in authority today. But I just want you to know, you don't have to be a prophet to be prophetic. God's called the church to be prophetic. When, when Paul wrote about the gifts of the Spirit, listen to a couple of these phrases he used in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. This is the first reason why you don't see, by the way, the gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation of Jesus' authority. Let me say that again. The gifts of the Spirit, they're the manifestation of Jesus' authority. Do you know why we don't see much of the gifts of the Spirit today? Because the devil's castrated the church. Pastors are guilty of castrating their congregations. Pastors, teachers are guilty 
of removing the potential authority from the body of Christ. Oh, they're quick to give it all to Jesus. He's sovereign. He's God. We're all quick to acknowledge that. And I never belittled that. That's where the authority comes from. But he is the one who said, I give you authority. I didn't come up with that. That's not some church doctrine. That's what Jesus said. And here are pastors, teachers, ministers. They're so scared their people are going to stumble across some authority and mess up the church. Well, pastor, hello, welcome to your job. Your job isn't working with the figures in the budget and planning the next great expansion to your facility. Your job is to help guide your people into a place of growth where they will start moving in authority and exercising the gospel and the, the manifestation of the authenticity of the gospel through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are the accompaniment, the greatest doctrine Satan ever devised. Hundreds of years ago was the gifts are over with. Who wanted that to happen? Who was behind that idea? Satan was behind. Satan got his head handed to him in the first century by a church that spoke in boldness and demonstrated the power of God. He said, well, the next, the next hundred years aren't going to be this way. I, I've got to do something about this. What did he do? Raised up false teachers. Lazy pastors who got tired of cleaning the stall because the oxen were muscular with the authority of the Spirit. God's got to call some pastors out of retirement. That's all there is to it. You know, you can be full-time getting a paycheck, big fat paycheck, but you're spiritually retired if you're not helping your people to enter into the authority and walk in authority. You've got to roll up your sleeves if you're going to pastor a church like that. You're, you've got to get into it and deal with it. You don't have to be a prophet to be prophetic. But Paul said, desire earnestly the higher gifts. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And finally, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit, to each person, each person in the church, not some, each. The manifestation of the Spirit. What manifestation? The one just a couple verses before where he said the manifestation of the Spirit is tongues interpretation, gift of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, gifts of healings, working of miracles, and the gift of faith. The nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That, that's the manifestation. To everyone is given the manifestation of the Spirit. God wants His authority to be seen in the church. He doesn't want church to be just every week coming, one guy gets up and speaks, everybody goes home. But doesn't that seem silly to you? 
Now, there's nothing wrong with me getting up every week and speaking or somebody getting up and preaching. We need to preach the Word. But if that's all we're doing and we think that we're fulfilling our, our call as the Church of Jesus Christ, listen, we're failing. We are a failure. If you are not walking in authority, then all of us are a failure. God wants us to seek Him for the gifts of the Spirit, to ask, Lord, what do you, how do you want to use me? And spend time seeking His face and then be willing to be bold enough to step out and speak when the Lord tells you to speak. Do what He tells you to do. The manifestation of the Spirit is the manifestation of Jesus' authority. Now, I want to close with these thoughts. Live an altar life. I preached all those great messages, not because I wanted to have a library of great messages about the altar, but because I was hoping that somebody would say, wow, I, I need to live at that altar. I need, to I need to incorporate this into my life. Live an altar life. Let the Lord know that you earnestly desire to manifest His authority and then go out and be obedient to what He says. Grow in that authority. And here's this last thing I said I wanted to share with you, and I think it's so key. Hear me. I don't have the time to elaborate on this, but it's so important. Don't let Satan quench your desire to seek God's authorization by using the shameful examples of bad characters. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you have seen so-called prophets, so-called people operating in the gifts, and their example was shameful? They were manipulative. They were an embarrassment. They were... They were full of themselves. I've seen lots of it. From the time I was first saved, Bonnie, you remember, I certainly, Kathy, remember, we knew people like that. I had those examples around me. And unfortunately, a lot of the young believers, when I first got saved, that saw those, manip those examples of manipulation, you know what they did? They went and found pastors that preached against it. And they threw out the baby with the bathwater. They just said, you know what, all that stuff, tongues, prophecy, all, that's not for today. We're not going to do that around here. We're not going to have that. And they felt safe. Well, they were right to get away from the abuse. They were right to discern the shameful examples of the abuse of authority. But to throw out the baby with the bathwater... You threw it right into Jesus' face. You threw the very gifts, the very calling that he gave us at Jesus. So in your desire, in your need to be comforted, to feel safe from the charlatans, safe from the false prophets, you simply just killed the ox. You simply just killed the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Hear me when I say to you, that's... That is Satan's strategy. That's his tactic. I will discourage them by having them experience abuses of spiritual authority. And they will then shrink back and never themselves want to 
express spiritual authority because they don't want to be like that person. They don't want to be perceived as being acting like that person who abuses authority or goes around and acts flamboyant rather than walking in humility but demonstrating true power. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. So I'm not, I am talking to a group of people that know what I'm talking about. Listen, abuse of God's authority is a call to manifest God's authority. Not to, to surrender it. Let me say it again. The abuse of God's authority is a call to manifest God's authority, not to surrender it, not to lock it away, not to forfeit it, not to give it up. Romans 12, 21 says a lot better than I could say it. I'm going to close with this verse. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. What's good? If we could see men and women moving with the authority of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, that would be good. Wouldn't that be good? That would be good. That'd be so good. How about you? You rising up in your own home. You rising up in your marriage. You rising up in your own situation. I know, I know you've been married for a long time and you feel like, ooh, I feel creepy around my husband or wife all of a sudden acting spiritual. I, I, I don't want him to think, ooh, who do they think they are all of a sudden? You know what I'm saying? You've already established a pattern. And, and so you don't want to seem like hypocrite, hypocrite. All the devil has to do to get you to not even step out and obey the Holy Spirit is hypocrite, hypocrite. Who do you think you are? Who's saying that? Where's that coming from? That should make you buckle down and say, oh, hold on. Now I know I'm heading in the right direction. The world today is in desperate need of a church whose people are confidently anchored at the Lord's altar of prayer and communion and obedience and then speaking with his authority in public. Close your Bible.